What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Monkey Mind Podcast. This is episode three featuring Jack Adams. He's a Detroit Red Wings draft pick and currently plays for the Union College Dutchman. This podcast is brought to you by PPW. Prove people wrong. Whether you are an underdog trying to get to the next level, battling mental health issues, or trying to lose 10 pounds, PPW has the apparel to support you in pursuit of your dreams. PPW believes in you and no one else does. PPW is giving everybody at Monkey Mind a little discount code on their pre-order. Get 10% off your pre-order today with the promo code MONKEYMIND. That's one word, Monkey Mind. Just go to their website at ProvePeopleWrong.com. That's promo code MONKEYMIND at ProvePeopleWrong.com. get right to it um so this one um i think will be oh i know it'll be um episode i've been looking forward to most um but we're joined by uh jack dangles adams and uh <laughs> um he uh has a story um that not many people can relate to and no one should go through, but um, quick overview. Um, Jack is the little brother of the late Mark Rue Adams and uh, somebody I considered, um, you know, one of my best friends and like a brother to me, but um, you know, it's uh it's gonna be a good episode and you know we're looking forward to honoring Rue and um just going from there. So uh Daniels give give us a little overview about uh obviously your playing career and kind of your journey through hockey itself and then touch on um obviously kind of everything you've gone through. Yeah, so I think it starts off um, – my story probably starts mostly in high school. Um, had a pretty crazy freshman year, made the varsity team, and then the next uh, – after that, I had a pretty tough experience. So, um, socially, I got bullied pretty bad. Um, went through a lot, and like you said, Rue was always there for me, flows, you know. And then I got I kind of got out of there and then got a scholarship to Princeton, went to the USHL. First year in the U show um, – had a pretty tough transition. Um, it was pretty tough mentally. I know your podcast really touches a lot about mental health and stuff. And that was one of the biggest obstacles for me was moving away from home at a young age and uh, taking a chance. And I had a really rough year. You know, Coach East is really hard on me, pushed me to, you know, expand my game, grow my game. And I went home that summer. Um, really had a lot of questions. I, had, I lost my commitment to Princeton. I had a no scholarship at that point. And I did some soul searching that summer, moved on to Cape Cod, worked my ass off, and came back to camp the following fall. And I was on the fifth line all camp, and um, I was the last cut, actually. And I was pretty shocked I made the team. And then kind of fast forward in that season, I went from being the fifth line to leading the USHL in scoring and then getting drafted in the NHL and committing to Union. So it's kind of crazy how, you know, one year can change your life. And then my first year at Union um, – like you guys, same thing with college. It's a really tough transition mentally, socially, physically, academically. And I struggled my first year. Like It was really tough. Um, Coach Bennett was really hard on me, but he grew me a lot as a player. I was scratched like 13, 14 times, I believe. Um, I just had a lot of immature flaws in my game. I had some growing up to do. And like that, like that Fargo summer, I went home and worked my ass off again. And then um, I think that's kind of where the story really starts flow is when um, I got back to school like a week into it and then I got a crazy call at like five in the morning and uh it's obviously a difficult subject for all of us but um my coach picked me up in my dorm and I remember getting a call from my dad pretty hysterical and I couldn't really understand what was going on and then um my coach picked me up in my dorm and then he told me we had to go home and I was kind of confused I called all my family members and none of them were picking up the phone so I knew something was pretty you know 
intense going on. And halfway through the, uh, the, the drive, I was kind of asking him like, dude, like what's going on coach? Why won't you tell me? And he kind of pulled over the side of the road and told me and that my brother passed away. And I don't really remember, um, you know, what exactly happened, obviously, um, it was a tough situation, but, um, I just remember getting home my family and seeing all the, uh, just the disbelief that happened, obviously. Um, and honestly, Flo, it seems like yesterday when you and I were uh, in Rockport together, man, just crazy that we went through that together. But um, yeah, that, that, that next season was tough. I mean, I went, I went, I lost 30 pounds when I was home after Rue passed. Um, had a lot of catching up to do. We had a week before my first game versus Army, so I had to get some weight back on, work hard, but also try and, you know, grieve, obviously. And then, um, I had a pretty good sophomore season, a good amount of points, had a good role in the team, but at the same time, it was really tough being away from my friends and family back home. And um, it just really reshaped my my life, my perspective on things. And I had a really tough time mentally last year at school, obviously, as anybody would with that situation. And then, um, unfortunately, last summer, I was at development camp. I was starting to get some more normalcy back in my life, getting confidence back, feeling good. And then the uh, last day, first shift of the scrimmage, I got – a harmless hit to the side of my knee and completely uh, tore my ACL, my MCL. And as tough as that news was, it might've been one of the best things that ever happened to me because I got to stay home with my family all year this year and grieve some more and um, do some soul searching. And at the same time, I got to work on other parts of my game that helped me grow as a person and player. And I'm sitting here now almost 11 months post-op and I'm feeling great. And I'm excited to uh, get back after it. Yeah, I mean, anyone that's listening just, um, I mean, can kind of anticipate how this uh, episode will go. But, I mean, um, from my standpoint, uh, when I started struggling with mental health, uh, one of the things I struggled with was um, opening up to people and um, – I mean, the fact that you can just say what you did as confidently and strongly is just, I mean, it, it, it's really just m- moving to kind of hear you talk about it and show how strong you are. And I can openly admit that, um, I mean, you know how much Rue meant to me, but I've never really kind of talked about it so I'm looking forward to um this just in that aspect but um I mean I'll probably say um 17,000 times episode just so I don't break down but try and touch on obviously um the USHL was an adjustment and then college was but um Talk about how you found different ways to kind of adjust and, you know, not necessarily stay busy, but just distract yourself and kind of adjust to everything um, in that aspect. Yeah, I I think the best thing that ever happened to me, Flo, was um, that first year I started working with a sports psychologist, uh, Wally Bizdell. I think you might know him too, Perez, obviously, at – you yep. right? So yeah, obviously you guys, yeah. So you guys both have some similar uh, similarity with Doc, and um, he helped me a lot. Like I, I was really struggling. I was away from home um, for the first time in my life, and I didn't get my my anxiety really, my OCD stuff really started after my whole high school experience, and it it really um, escalated my freshman year in college. And um, the biggest thing that really helped me was kind of. Um, being a little bit harder on myself. I really always like talked about it with people and gave my perspective and like, like to vent to a lot of the older guys, on my team who were close for me. But a lot of the times when I was struggling, I was really, um, I was having a lot of the, a lot of too many rational thoughts, obviously, and too many over emotional thoughts. And until I really got hard on myself, made a change for myself because I, I worked with doc for three or four years and it was going well. I was on some medication and stuff and it was, helping but until I really put the sword down and said you know what like fuck it like I gotta you know change Jack Adams no one else can that's when I really started to make strides but 
I think it all honestly comes down to flow is that you only you can change how you think. And that's just all it is is mentally toughness. And I think a lot of people nowadays sometimes, you know, look at mental health as a, as a non-factor. And I think they think that it's, you know, you're weak if you talk about it, but if you're not talking about it, then you're just screwing yourself over, man. Yeah. I mean, Danny can chime in after this, but like, obviously the point of this kind of podcast and um, whatnot is to obviously create awareness and whatnot, but it's also a place for people to open up and also express um, the importance of opening up and talking about it. And um, we, for myself, that was always a struggle for me. And it was actually kind of interesting to hear you say that you kind of started to excel once you were harder on yourself. And I think that's amazing. And I also think it's really cool because that's sometimes the, the factor, the difficult factor for people, because for myself, like I was always too hard on myself and I think it's awesome that we can hear your side of things and kind of point of view to the point where, you know, it's okay to be hard on yourself and it actually does help some people because everyone's different. Everyone has a different journey and different path and different mindset. So, I mean, I think it's, it's great that, you know, we're hearing different things from each uh, person, but I mean, Danny can kind of elaborate on everything you just said about, um, you know, the mental opening, like mental aspect of opening up and whatnot. Yeah. Well, one thing you talked about was um, your perspective and looking back and how everything that you went through kind of shaped you. Um, you, You've so far written an incredible, incredible story in your life and you have more to write. And um, I think you talked, so you talked a lot about how getting bullied, um, losing a commitment, um, obviously losing your brother and, you know, just the, the challenge at union college, all these things. And then how you look back and you were grateful for these things. And there are a lot of people out there who may have gone through very similar experiences. Um, and you know, it's, it's very hard to go through things like that. T- talk about how, what was your perspective as you were moving forward and yeah. jumping through these hurdles and how looking back, everything that's happened to you has shaped you into the person that you are today. Um, and how you are, like you said, you're grateful for these experiences. So kind of just touch on that. Yeah, no, that, that's a good way to put it. My, my philosophy has always been um, day by day would have a long-term goal in the back of your mind at all times. And when I was in high school, it was, it was tough. You remember watching my games back when I was at MC flow and I had some, a lot of stuff to work on and it's hard not to get choked up about it, obviously, but um. When when Rue was there, he's always telling me like this. I said it at his I said it at his uh, celebration of life. He just always told me like, trust me, we'll both make it at the end of the day. And um, it's obviously tough to uh, sorry to t- talk about obviously, but it's yeah. I, I I think you guys both hit it right. It's just it's you got to open up, man. And like you said, there's a lot of people who are giving you that shit, and the ones that are hard on you, the ones that are honestly God just insecure about their lives and. They're, they're fucking jealous, man. A lot of those people who pick on you and give you a hard time, they have a reason for doing it because they're, they want something that you have and you can't ever lose that passion and make you change your perspective on things. And that's kind of how I've approached this whole ACL rehab process. And it's, it's been, there's, there's days where it's like, why the fuck does it hurt so bad? And I've, I've always just kept that, that day by day method that tomorrow's going to be better. And at the same time, you know, next season's around the corner. And I just think it's so important to have like, that day by day method, you know, tomorrow's going to be better. Next day is better than that, but also have a goal at the end of the tunnel that, you know, if I keep doing this, I'll accomplish this. So I think it's a collaboration of things, but going day by day and having that long-term goal. No, absolutely. And I couldn't agree more. And I mean, obviously I can say that at some point, I know I'm going to get choked up and break down, but, um, obviously you've been through so much and have had such a long journey and uh, have matured and grown so much as an individual, but um, 
as of recent, like recently, what are some things that you've done or, um, you know, kind of found yourself doing that distract you and kind of help you cope rather than falling into a trap in regards to, you know, staying positive and staying busy and, you know, trying to make a difference because, um, I know you have a podcast, um, yeah. love, I love for you to talk about that, but, um, you know, talk about some things that you find yourself doing that you didn't do before and, um, kind of focus on now. I think the biggest thing is probably my faith. Um, I, I was always pretty religious even before we passed away, but even more now, obviously, because I feel like that's the only way that I can connect with him is this for the spiritual aspect of it. So I, I look forward to praying every night. It's something that, that, that's comforting to me. It's very healing. And I also think it is important to have a routine during your day, especially with all these crazy shit going on. I mean, I think the best people in the world, you know, get up early, get their work going and have structure. I think when you put things off and you blow things off, it kind of just makes you bored, anxious, a bunch of different things going on in your mind. But I think when you have a routine and you're doing X, Y, and Z, not OCD, but like consecutively in a row throughout the day, it has, it gives you, you know, more peace and more motivation to get after you have things to look forward to. I think if you just blow things off and procrastinate and fuck around, then it's not good for you. But when you have that, you know, things you look forward to throughout your day, it gives you peace. And I think one of the biggest things I really tried doing the last few years is just helping others. And whether that's a phone call or reaching out to an old friend or just checking with an old teammate. Um, Cause at the end of the day, when we all, we only get one life and, do we want to be remembered as a guy who scored 500 goals who's a fucking asshole or a guy who like you guys are doing, helping people and letting them share their stories and making them have more comfort throughout their lives. So I think if, if you're not helping someone, then, you know, what's the point? Yeah, no, without a doubt. Go ahead, Flo. It, no, um, I completely agree. And um, obviously, um, you know, we're both, all three of us are, in the same boat with the intentions of helping people. And, um, you know, this whole thing was Danny's idea. And, um, you know, I couldn't be more grateful that I was brought on. But, I mean, Danny can probably um, give a little more input on the whole podcast and point where it can relate to you because, obviously, you have yours. So why don't you talk about, you know, your podcast um, and then mention your social media so people can check it out. And then uh, Danny can kind of give his two cents about that, but let yeah, everyone no, know. Yeah. So it, it started as the uh, called athletes over adversity, similar to you guys and a little bit different uh, to sort of about letting athletes and we've actually changed it. Not a lot of different like human beings just who aren't athletes too, to share their stories of adversity. And it's crazy how every single person as our motto is every, everybody has a story. And, and it's, it's been blowing my mind. It's been very humbling also to talk to a lot of good athletes and great people and hear what they've gone through because it's, 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 it's eye-opening. Like, I don't think many people realize that Tori Krug, you know, didn't have many offers after his first year after the USHL. Or I don't think many guys realize that Mike Ruzioni was under recruited and almost got cut the last week. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty humbling. And it also makes you realize that, like, if you're going through shit in your life, then you know, you can make through it too, because all the, every single great athlete, in my opinion, every single great human being, in my opinion, most of them go through some kind of adversity at some point. And especially with guys like who've had an injury, I bet you guys all had an injury at some point, you lose a friend or a brother or a sister or a sibling or a parent. You want that peace and comfort in your life and knowing that someone else has gone through it too. So you can, you know, lean on them when you get, when you're going through hard times, the whole point of the podcast is really to just, you know, share stories of adversity and kind of allow people to, user platform to spread awareness that you know everyone's going through stuff and what's the uh, instagram handle for that and for your personal social media yeah so instagram is athletes over adversity and then my instagram personally is j underscore two adams awesome yeah everyone go check that out for sure um and yeah just uh jack i'm sure as you know the whole point of why we started this podcast is because um, just getting the no flow over the past week. Um, haven't said a word to him up until I think Monday. So, <laughs> yeah. And we've just kind of opened up a lot and shared a lot and we found comfort in each other and having yeah. similar stories weirdly. Um, and that's the thing is that we were both in pretty bad spots and we both felt like we were the only one going through that. 
and yeah. it just you, you get sucked into a deeper and deeper hole and you're trying everything you can to get yourself out of that and you can't sometimes and you feel like everything you're doing is wrong and you know it's funny enough the timing of me and flow stories is spot on both our junior years and both this past year in pro and absolutely we both had to take leaves of absence playing pro this year you know weirdly enough and I never met the kid so um that's the kind of the thing that we're talking about here is that there are so many people who have very similar experiences to you and what you're going through you are not alone in it and when you're they in don't. that yeah you feel like and they don't want to talk about it it's like exactly. i remember like i remember yeah. like after my after my freshman year i was i was going through a shit ton mentally and then it got to the point where i was in cape cod training and i had to leave the gym and I just sat outside in the parking lot and I just broke down. And I was like, my anxiety was just like through the fucking roof. And I was like, what is going on right now? Like, why am I feeling like this? Like, what, what, what is the trigger? And I, I think I really realized was, there was just so much anger with shit I went through in high school. And then all of that mental stuff that I never really dealt with at the time. And that's what is kind of a blessing of why I can talk about my brother so well now is because... I don't really think at my at school last year I was able to actually grieve and go and like experience what I had to experience mentally. Where this year I was oh, away from my teammates, but I was with my family. And I finally got to like reflect and realize like what I was going through mentally. And you have to you have to let yourself grieve. You have to let yourself you know be upset sometimes. But that's healthy for your brain to get it all out. If you just keep it all in and let it absorb you, then you're screwed. Yeah, I mean. <clears throat> Danny and our first episode is um, just Danny and I um, talking and telling our stories. And like I said earlier, I haven't truly talked to anyone about how I like really felt. And uh, I can openly say now just, I mean, I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's hard for me to talk about and when we lost through that was kind of the turning point for me um because he was kind of the only guy at providence that you know kept me you know, in line and got me through um, the hardest thing because I came out of high school, um, went straight to Providence and, um, you know, it was kind of not so much the first time I dealt with adversity, but um, definitely the first time I dealt with serious adversity in hockey and, um, you know, Rue was always there and obviously we became so close to the point where I consider him like a brother to me. And when I got to pro, even then it was the same thing. He was kind of, he was always there and, you know, I would call him after um, almost every one of my games. And uh, I can say that when we lost him, that was, the turning point for me and where I lost complete control and I fell into so many different traps. I just, I became a different person and I haven't admitted that to anyone. And I am not ashamed or embarrassed, but I lost complete control of everything and it it's a fucking dark deep hole that I was in and the fact that you're telling your story and whatnot is just so motivating and moving because well one I don't know how you did it but two it's just it's amazing because you guys are blood. He was your big brother and everything along those lines. And obviously him and I were close, but 
the fact that you did what you did is just truly remarkable. And I mean, I can't even express, I mean, how proud of you I am and how far you've come. And it's obviously not easy to talk about, but I mean, I know he's looking down on us, but fuck, man, you have no idea how far you've come. And, you know, the the person you are now is just amazing. And I know how proud of you he is. Yeah, and I, I, I appreciate that, man. That, that, that means a lot. It's just... I, yeah, I think like when you lose someone, like a piece of you dies. And a piece of me definitely did die last year and it still is gone and I'll never get that back. But um, I, I just, I just kind of had that approach, honestly, from, from the week he passed away. I kind of just like, I, mean, I, I, can, I can admit now I don't really sleep that much, honestly, anymore. It's, it's really hard for me. Um, but I've always just in the back of my mind ever since he died, just told myself, I'm going to make the fucking NHL for that guy because that's nothing that he wants more in his life is – same with you, Flo. Same with you, Perez. They, they, people that you love, people who love you the most want the best for you. And I always told myself, I'm doing a humongous disservice for my brother if I'm not giving everything I have because the only way Rue's legacy – continues right now is um is is through the people that he loved and we have to keep that legacy alive the only way to keep that alive is by doing good things and i've always just told myself that you know if i play for the red wings one day rue plays the red wings someday too and i feel like i owe that to him just like you do to give everything that you have and never quit because there's days last year i was like fuck this like you know what like i'm this is just horse shit like what's going on in my life like why me and then I had so many good friends at the union who would kind of take me back and be hard on me, which I needed. And they're like, Jack, just stop. Like, just, you got to refocus here. And that's, that's the little kick in the ass that I needed. And I keep that motivation today. And that's, and that's why I love talking about him because I feel like I'm keeping his legacy alive when I talk about him, you know? Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's fucking great. And what you said, <clears throat> like you'd be doing a disservice, like, uh, well, think of, think of, think like think of, think of it like this, Flo. Like, you know how much my brother loved me. For example, he loved me when I was being outgoing, happy, laughing, smiling, caring, and loving. Yeah. If I'm anything but that, that's just doing a disservice to him. For you, no. for example, he lo- he loved you when you were, and he still does, when you were pumped up, motivated, fired up, energetic, ready to go. If you're not that, then you just got to think in your head, like, fuck, I'm letting this guy down. And that that's all you need to get that snap and you're kicking the ass to get you going again. Yeah. No, uh I get that. And uh where are you saying it? <clears throat> it would be a disservice if you didn't do everything you could and like the timeline of him passing was like his uh Memorial was uh, the day before I was supposed to leave for camp and, um, you know, I called them and whatnot and they were all for, you know, me taking time and whatnot, but I was considering it and I knew that if I didn't go, he'd fucking, (laughs) he would be ripping me and (laughs) he'd be fucking doing his fucking goofy ass laugh just (laughs) (laughs) he'd be doing his goofy ass laugh with a smart ass fucking chirp and you know it's i i completely i completely know where you're coming from when it when you talk about a disservice sam because um for anyone listening that didn't know he was the most genuine, caring, considerate guy. And, um, I mean, anyone that is a part of the hockey world can attest to, you know, his passion and camaraderie on the ice. And he fucking 
no matter what, always made sure everyone else was okay. And, um, you know, it's, I, I just get exactly where you're coming from, um, regarding the disservice to him because that guy was a fucking warrior. And, um, I mean, I have a tattoo on my arm for him. Uh, I mean, I think about the guy every day and, um, you and me, you and me both, baby. <laughs> yeah, but, No, exactly. So that just kind of proves like, um, I mean, how long I've known you and, um, yeah, the type of guy he was to the fact that he made such an impact and even now still does made such an impact on me that, that I'd permanently tattoo my fucking body for him. Um, and I think that kind of shows back to the point where we talked about, like, what do you want to be remembered as? And, like, the, I think with, with Rue, like, obviously he was a hell of a hockey player, like a draft pick and national champion. But, like, the thing that humbles me the most is how many people still to this day be like, oh, my, your brother really helped me. Or your brother's a really – your brother's – he had great values. He was a stand-up guy. He was old school. I think that nowadays is lost in today's society. And I feel like if you're just remembered as being a good athlete, but, like, Rue was, like, one of the he most a, unique individuals I've ever met in my entire life. And I think that's why I'm so proud to, like, be his brother because I have, like, all these people telling me, like, your brother really fucking helped me. I mean, man, like, anyone can say, like, everyone knows Rue was – an unbelievable hockey player, but obviously your standpoint's a little different than mine, but from, for what he did for me and um, other guys on the team, but Kyle McKenzie and I, obviously he truly changed my life and he will always be remembered as a great hockey player, but when I think of him, I personally remember him as somebody I consider a brother and yeah. one of the, the best guys I know, which is way more valuable to me than being a hockey being a hockey player. Like this guy made such a difference on my life and obviously you and I um have gotten so close, but I I can relate to what you're saying about you know, be anyone can be remembered as a good hockey player and scoring 500 goals and being a fucking dickhead. But exactly, like, what, like when you even when you were at Maine Perez or you guys are both pro now, like what do you when you guys like all meet up? Like what do you guys talk? Do you guys talk about the memories, shooting the shit in the locker room, and that's it, hanging hanging out the the dinners and the pasta parties and the fucking the drinking games? Like what do you guys? You guys don't talk about scoring. You guys don't talk about wins. You guys talk about you being together as a family and the boys. And like that. That's what it all comes down to. And that's like the best thing about sports is like. I don't think a lot of people on the outside lens realize, like, and what pisses me off a lot about athletics, I feel like so many people only identify us as hockey players. I'm like, look at you guys. You guys are fucking talking about mental health and using your platform to do that. And, like, that's, that, that's very admirable for you, too. And I think that a lot of people, like, just tell us, like, you know, stick to your sport. But, like, we're human beings as well. And, like, a big reason why athletes struggle so much, in my opinion, with mental health is because if they don't perform on the ice or the field of the court, then – people just rub them off they don't they forget they have feelings and emotions and they have everyday life and they go through shit too you know oh yeah that, that's huge i think you see it socially on campus i mean if you kind of break out of your circle because i feel like a, you can get caught in a tight circle of like yeah hang out with just the hockey guys and you have your your umbrella of people that just hang out with the hockey guys too if you break out with that out of that mold you kind of realize that a lot of people just think oh whatever, whatever athlete, the dickhead. And, and they don't give a shit what you're doing on the ice production. Yeah, they don't exactly. give a shit. They, no, they just think of you as you are a dickhead. You are very self-centered and man. If, Uneducated. If yeah. If, if that's how you want to like go about your life, having people like think about you like that, but you're the best player, whatever, then fine. But I think, that's what you were saying that gets lost in our society where what truly matters are your values, how you treat yeah. people on a day-to-day -day basis. Cause that shit makes an impact and that yeah. allows other people to be more comfortable with opening up to you about something that they're going through. And you did, you just develop such incredible relationships and that's what's exactly. And what people don't get to this, that was, that was perfect, man. And like, I don't, I don't think many people realize too, when you, when you talk about like, Oh, athletes on campus, like they're dickheads, they're selfish. I guarantee us three have worked fucking 25 times as hard as any other regular student to get to that point. 
with the countless amount of workouts, living away from home for a few years for some of us, like travel teams, like training, workouts, like all this shit. And people don't realize like that's fucking hard. Like it's much harder doing that and balancing a good academic GPA than just going to school. So we're not dickheads. We're not idiots. We're people. And like we have emotions and we have thoughts that matter. And like if people don't give that respect, they're not worth it. Yeah, a hundred percent. And like, I, <clears throat> we actually, uh, we're talking about this, uh, uh, yesterday is that people see us as, uh, you know, hockey players on campus, but nobody really understands that you're fucking waking up at 5am and going exactly. to work out. And then you're yeah. going to fucking five classes in a row and then you're going to practice and then you're going to study hall. And you, by the time you get home, you're completely drained and wiped out. Yeah. But you're so stressed out because you have to, like, worry about being the best you can be in every aspect. Because if you're not, you're going to become miserable because you're not going to play. Your coach is going to be on your ass about having shit grades. And then you fucking wake up and do it all again. And it's... Like, I'm not saying that people don't take it in consideration because I know some people do get it, but when it comes to being a student athlete, especially at the Division One level, as we can all attest to, it's so stressful. It's been one of the hardest things, and especially for guys that aren't necessarily the smartest or most invested in school. And, you know, I can't even imagine the guys in the Ivy Leagues and, like, yeah. at Harvard and whatnot, but – for Providence, I was never a guy that was, you know, so much invested in school, but, you know, yeah. I, I did my best and whatnot, but it's it's not that we're dickheads. It's that every second is, one, we're being watched, <laughs> yeah. and two, that if we don't perform to the best that we can, it's going to backfire on us and – that constant worry about yeah. kind of making sure that we're doing everything we can and succeeding at it is fucking mentally draining. And I mean, every coach is different, but I mean, dang, was you play for fucking Rick Bennett? Okay. And, uh, yeah. And, that, and that's like what I'm trying to get at too. Like, obviously you guys had like different like experiences in college, but like for me, like personally, even like going back to like high school and junior, like if I have a bad practice, like I'm fucking so pissed the rest of the night. And I don't think many people in school realize, like, it's harder to, like, sometimes, like, balance, like, okay, like, say, like, because you know how much practice matters at Providence. I don't, I don't know what you mean, but, like, if you're in a union, like, if you have a bad practice, you might not play Friday night. I think it's college hockey like, it's, everywhere. Every, you every know what I mean? is a battle, yeah. Yeah, and it's, like, for like for us, it's, like, if you say you have a bad practice on, like, a Wednesday and you got a paper due Friday and you're so stressed if you're going to play or not Friday, that's so hard to, like, balance all those emotions. Like, that's what people, like – and that's why it sucks when people are, like, shitting on us for, like, poor performance or, like, like you said, being a dickhead because like, they don't realize like, the everyday struggles we're going through. Yeah, no, exactly. That, that you hit the nail on the head. It's so funny. And then, you know, you have a bad practice and, you know, the coaches expect you to perform at a certain level every single day. And if you don't, yeah. one day or maybe two days in a row, you're getting pulled aside. What's going on? What's wrong? Well, like, your effort's not there. Well, no, I don't know if my effort's not there. I just – I got other shit going on too, you know? Yeah. It's then, we got fucking papers too. We got thesis. Like it's a bad thing. <laughs> I, 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 like you said, I, well, you said it best. I, I can't even imagine what it's like at the ECACs and the Ivy league schools. Like, cause that's a completely different academic requirement. Um, and I tip my yeah. hat to all those guys. Cause I tell you right now, I cannot do that. I, I would not no. be able to handle that and it takes a no it's 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 work ethic man like our coach has a great job at union of really enforcing us and demanding us to perform in the classroom but it's 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 hard man it's fucking it's a bag and the thing that kind of not bothers me but is just kind of like come on like one of those things that you just like kind of shake your head as like Your coach, like, if you have, like, if you're, like, obviously when you're getting recruited, it's because you're a great player, have work ethic, and you have strong character. Yeah. And you're expected to, like, 
like have that every day and the thing that not necessarily frustrates me is like clearly you know that like you should get to know your players and whatnot but like I think this is where the like mental health awareness comes in is that like if you have this idea of a kid that you're recruiting for so long and you see him as you know a tough kid that just kind of always competes and works hard and then you start to see like a bad practice you're like all right not like you're never gonna have a perfect practice or a good practice every day but it's the like the the kind of consecutive couple days of bad practice to the point where it's like all right what the fuck is going on but nothing's done about it like it's not hard to tell that a guy like you dangles or danny that we come in we work we do our best yeah but if you see a couple days in a row and kind of like a trend that's where the mental health side of everything kind of comes into play. You're like, all right, what the fuck is going on with this guy? And yeah. I feel like that's where the separation, I know we've talked about it, Danny, but like that's the separation between players and coaches. And obviously dangles. I don't know about um, Rick Bennett, but I haven't heard anything but good things about him. Um, but and that, I mean, that's it. That, that shit can linger too. Like you can fucking be like upset for like, because you're not playing well, you're in a you're in a a drought of a few weeks of not getting like a point or on the score sheet or playing well, and like that just affects like everything in your life. Obviously, the college season goes by like yeah. that. And like one thing that like Jeff Rapucci, this kid had played at a Holy Cross once, told me that Paul Pearl told him the most difficult part of coaching is handling thirty different mental psychologies. And I think one thing that Rick does very well is as a head coach, he understands that every kid is different one and he takes the time to get to know every single individual. And I feel a lot of head coaches in any kind of sports sometimes just revert that to the assistant to let them take care of that. But as you know, like it's, as you guys know, it's way more like comforting and like gives you way more confidence when like a head coach is giving you that insight than a fucking assistant. It's, it's, it's night and day. A hundred percent. And I mean, Danny, you can probably attest to this. Like that would have made a fucking major difference for me. And, and I'm not saying I didn't have that, but like what you just said about how he got to know every player and whatnot. And, you know, Rick Bennett, Rick Bennett, like, this is why he means so much to me. He probably checked in on me every single fucking day after um, Rue Pass last year. And it's a quick story like that I've never told anybody. We played Northeastern probably, I want to say a month after Rue passed. I probably, honest to God, had the worst game my entire life. Like, I was horrific. I probably had like 12 turnovers. Seriously, like, didn't make any plays. I was mentally just out of it. It was like almost dangerous putting me on the ice because I was like going to get hurt because I was so mentally out of it. Mm-hmm. And I saw my parents for the first time in a while, like after the game, a lot of them, my grandparents, my aunt, Mr. Apucci, a lot of family friends, Catherine, Ruth's girlfriend. And I just yeah. lost it. And I was obviously so emotional. I was really struggling. And we won the game. And I thought, okay, okay I'm, I for sure deserve to be scratched tomorrow night because I was so fucking bad. And I get, back, I get back to the hotel room. Obviously, I'm struggling. It's like 11 o'clock. And Rick, I get a phone call from Coach Bennett. He's like, hey, Jack, I just want to, like, talk to you for a second. Like, come over to a room, like, uh, someone's, like, a conference room or whatever. He, like, has two chairs for us there. And we talk about, like, I was like, I know, Coach. He, he's like, how you doing? I was like, you know what, I, I'm sorry. Like, I, I was dog shit. Like, I know. Like, I, I love the team. He's like, no, I don't give a fuck about that. Like, how are you feeling, like, mentally? Like, talk to me. Like, how you doing? Like, you doing okay? And we talked about life for, like, an hour didn't even talk about the game Mm -hmm. didn't even talk about hockey we talked about like life and family and girls and fucking music and like just taking my mind off of things and and at at the very end of the conversation he goes hey like if you feel better tomorrow morning just come and give me a buzz and you'll 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 play tomorrow too just let me know 
like that right there, like saved my season because I knew that I could like actually like have someone that I could trust and lean on. I feel like so many, I can only speak for myself. I feel like so many athletes don't get that kind of privilege that I got. That's awesome that you had that, that opportunity to have that conversation. Um, I, like you said, I don't think a lot of athletes do get that opportunity. So that's unbelievable. And like you said, it saved your season, but it's something so little. It's just a conversation, you know, a conversation because, because you're a person first and then you are an athlete and how you're feeling as a person affects your athletics because at the end of the day we are all playing hockey and we've all gotten to where we've gotten because we absolutely love this game so much we're so passionate about it that we put everything into it and so that holds a lot of weight when you're not playing well and all that stuff it and affects you as a person so just having those conversations just hey what's up what's going on how's your life you know don't worry. And about that's what Rick does. Rick is like, yeah. Rick is on fucking believe. Like Rick will like walk in, say, even if you had the worst practice of your life the day before, Rick will walk in, see you in the lounge. Hey, how you doing buddy? Like how, how are classes going? How the, how's the, how the, how's the family doing? Like that little comment right there. Like for some guys, like say you don't get that and they have anxiety and they think about that the rest of the day and they have a shit practice. <laughs> Or like Rick is like people ask me like well, why'd you choose Union like all this stuff like small school no scholarships I'm like because Rick Bennett dude he's literally like a second dad to me and like he's a guy who I fucking I went for girlfriend advice for last year like he's he's literally like like he's done more for me like as a human being than any coach I've ever had in my entire life and that's why I'll always be such a huge fan of him and Union College. Yeah, and I think that's fucking awesome because not a lot of guys can say that, but mm-hmm. I also want to like I've obviously I've met Rick Bennett before. Like he like he's not a little guy. He's fucking no, he's six he's, four. He's, he's massive. He's a monster <laughs> and he's intimidating. So the fact that he's that open, but the fact that Dangles is telling me that it's not just him. He, like, you lost you lost Rue, and obviously anyone can be kind of sympathetic towards that. But you saying that he's like that to everyone, that is so dude. fucking rare. And dude, I he, drove, he fucking picked me up in my dorm and drove me home. Like, who the fuck does that? I like, dude, he is, that's, he is, that's what I'm he saying. Is, I'm tell, like, I, I'm telling you, any guy on my team could attest to the same situation. If you needed anything at any hour of the day or night, he'd be the first person to do it for you. And what's so <laughs> good about him is that he cares just as much about me playing professional hockey as Brendan Taylor getting a law job and going to law school. He gives the he gives those guys the exact same amount of attention. And he might even sometimes care more about guys going to medical school and giving them great recommendations because he knows how much of an impact they're gonna have in the world. And like that's what I think a lot of coaches are so obsessed with themselves and their egos and winning and like moving on and their bullshit Twitter profiles rather than like actually like caring about a human being, like wanting what's best in his life. Yeah, it's so funny because playing for a guy like that, just being a genuine person like that. It has yeah. a direct translation to how your players are going to play for you on the ice. Man, if you play for a guy like that, you'll fucking do anything. Even Kerry Eads, man. Like, my, he, he was my head coach in the USHL, and he was a fucking ass. My first year, he was so mean to me. Like, I thought he, I thought he genuinely, like, disliked me as a human being. And then I came back my second year and had the year of my life, and I realized, like, maybe if I listened to the guy's message earlier, I wouldn't have had these, you know, struggles beforehand. I, I do think a lot of coaches do do things for the right reasons. I think oftentimes we fight them. I can't say every coach, but a lot, a lot of times I've sometimes been immature. And even my freshman year at Union, like I was sometimes too much like thinking like, why is Rick doing this? And then like, I finally sat back and realized, okay, he's doing it because I'm doing something wrong. And mm-hmm. I listened and I took that step, but it yeah. took me to, sit back and realize, okay, I am doing something wrong. I have to take initiative and listen to the man because he's doing it to help me. And that, yeah, dude, I, I think that, that's huge too. I think that's where we go back to the whole sports psychology thing. We had Doc Wally and he was, um, yep. he, was awesome. he, he was huge for me, man. He was I think every me. fucking college team has had Doc Wally. Which is fine because he's – which is fine because he's a fucking you know, man. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't, say, I don't say that out of disrespect or anything. I 
love dog. Every Wally's team big... has dog. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 Danny, I didn't mean to interrupt you. You're good, bro. That, that's, that's that is the funniest thing like I've it. ever heard. Bro. But man, that like, that shit is so important. I think every team needs a Doc Wally because there's so many. One thousand, one thousand percent. There's that gray same area. Thing, same, you know? same, same, same thing, man. It was like you, like the, the week that Rue passed. Like he was, he was giving me calls at eleven thirty at night when I was. You know, I couldn't sleep, and like I, I feel like little stuff dude, he, like that people don't. Like, you know what I mean? Like he checked in with me when Rue passed, dude. Like yeah, he still does. He still asked me to have, like this day. It's been like a year and a half. He's like still. He's like, how you doing? Like how's mom? How's dad? Like those those things are just like so like comforting that I don't really think that most schools get that luxury. Yeah, and I just want to clarify before this gets uh, posted, like, I didn't mean any disrespect by that. I just meant because, you know, the <laughs> hockey didn't come off that way. <laughs> no, no, I just, I just, just want to spe- I just want to kind of clarify that I said it as in sports psychology is yeah. probably new to colleges and um obviously the hockey world is so small that everyone talks and it just happens that every fucking college has Doc Wally. <laughs> 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 which is which is fine. And you know, he oh, is he is an unbelievable guy and I respect and love the guy, but I was saying it just because it's like I talked to somebody from a school and like, oh, yeah, I was talking to my sports psychologist, Wally. And I'm like, Doc Wally? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just have to ask, what, 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 was, what was he like at Maine NPC? Because, like, he's the fucking man. That's the best way to put it. <laughs> yeah, well, he would, he would come periodically to, to visit us, like, on the road. Or uh, I think he'd came, he would come once in preseason – visit us on the road sometimes and then um, once towards like the end of, end of the year, but he was always available, um, you know, to meet on FaceTime or whatever phone call, but we didn't have cool. direct contact with him a lot, but. Well, I think one of the biggest things that he's so spot on about, and I think that I got this message yesterday from a zoom call with actually the Sergeant Everson, the guy who was in black talk down. He like gave him they gave our team a motivational speech and like yeah Fletcher one of like, about that <laughs> yeah he's a beauty <laughs> a fucking Fletch and like um how do you know Fletch by the way I work with him virtual hockey camps right now bloodline hockey oh okay yeah Fletch is a man one of my best yeah. friends and and uh but what I was getting back to is that like that guy really talked about mental toughness and like he really said it I don't think many athletes like realize this like you have to like train your body or your mind, sorry, to, like, perform a certain way to handle, like, adverse situations when, when shit gets tough. And he was saying, like, the reason why he got out of that whole entire shit show is because he, was like, prepared for that moment in his head and realized he had to stay calm and not get all nervous. And, like, that's even, like, on the ice when you're in a 2-2 hockey game with the, with the playoffs on the line and you, make a, you have to make a critical decision. Like, if you train yourself in the offseason to be mentally tough and calm and poised, then, like, you're going to be successful. Yeah, yeah. 100%. No, uh, yeah, Doc Wally is just, I mean, from my experience with him, like, <clears throat> I mean, I was a fucking, I'll openly admit, I was a fucking lunatic in college. Um, I mind fucked myself and I made any mind game that I faced so much worse. And I say mind game, but I mean, it wasn't necessarily um, in the con- like the aspect of like oh I'm trying to fuck with my players. It was literally just like me creating s- situations in my head, mm-hmm. which yeah. was realistically the end motive was to you know get the most out of me. And I mean, um, I was I'm not saying I dealt with you know, poor coaching. Cause I really didn't, you look at Nate Lehman's track record, it's unbelievable. And the guy wins everywhere he goes. And, um, yeah, Nate's you know, awesome. he, he really does get the best out of his players. And, um, I, I'm grateful that I played for him. Um, but you know, the way he coaches, I obviously had to adjust to, and, um, you know, Doc Wally was a key factor and, had a major impact on me 
dealing with that. And I do think that some coaches, like, I mean, I can only speak for myself, but I do think that at least the coaches I've had have always had a pretty good open door policy. Yeah. Where, like my, my first year, Carrie is a fucking asshole. I'm like, I'm not kidding, man. Like it was on every, I'm not kidding. Every <laughs> single shift. I, I'm not kidding. Ask any of my teammates. It was I'm fucking real. How much that guy would yell at me. And like in my, uh, Coming back the following year, I told him I was like, "Man, like I can't play like that. Like I just can't." And I'm not yeah. kidding. He he stopped. Like, he literally stopped yelling at me, and it like changed my game. And same thing with Rick. I mean, I think to these coaches, like actually, if you talk to them, like, "Hey, like, this is kind of pissing me off." I, I think they actually like when you kind of give it to them a little bit, and you kind of like give your insight. I feel like if you're just like a parrot <clears throat> robot and like don't yeah. actually speak your mind, like that's not what they're looking for. They want you to like speak your mind and give it back to them a little bit. Yeah, which yeah, I found I, myself scared to do at times because I, I, I told him straight up, I was like, you guys can be hard on me. Like, I was brought up old school. Like, my parents were tough on me. Like, you know, worker type of kid. Like, go ahead, be hard on me and stuff. But when shit started hitting the fan for me, I was already hard on myself. And they were continuing to be hard on me. Yeah. I don't mind being hard on me. It's just the yelling after a while, I think. Just, it, it, pisses, it just fucking pisses me off. Well, that's yeah, when I, I didn't. That's when I didn't open up, and I, I wasn't like, hey, like, fucking lay off right now. Like, I'm, I'm already going through a tough time. I just kind of yeah. was like, I can't say shit. I got to take this because, for lack of a better term, I don't want to be a fucking pussy. Like, exactly. I, I'm yeah. not going to come out and be like, hey, stop yelling at me because I'm just like, I, I can eat it. I'll eat it, but then I'm coming home after practice, and I'm just like, fuck me. Like, I suck right now. Coaches are yelling at me, and exactly. that's when shit spirals. But I don't know, man. I mean, I, it's, yeah, it's great. It's, go ahead, Flo. <clears throat> no, like, uh, obviously everyone hears stories about every coach and whatnot. And I mean, obviously Nate Lehman is a, uh, you know, he's a tough coach, like he's passionate and demanding, but I mean, I have the utmost respect for him and people may think otherwise because I mean, I was getting scratched and whatnot, but like, when it comes to the mental aspect of hockey in general, me as a player, I learned so much from him physically, like as a, like from a playing standpoint, but yeah, I mean, I can't even explain. And, um, you know, some people would argue, but like he, from a mental aspect, like being mentally tough, I came so far and, you know, I went through my first two years, like freshman year, you get scratched as a freshman. It is what it is. Sophomore year, you know, it was fine. My junior year is a fucking gong show and mm-hmm. like absolute shit show. And, yeah. you know, a lot of it was my fault. But my senior year, going into my senior year, I read this book, Mind Gym. I was telling you about it, Danny. Um, mm-hmm. And as I, was, as I was reading it, I everything that I was explaining and all the different exercises, I was like, holy fuck, this is like kind of Nate's like wave coach. Like this guy fucking gets it. Like he gets the best out of you. And I didn't realize like anything about him as a coach until I read that. And I mean, my senior year, I still got scratched, I think more than I should have, but I mean, that's out of my control and I'm not going to worry about that. But I handled it completely different. I was a much better teammate. I, you know, I didn't let being scratched bother me or I didn't bring negativity to the rink because one, my teammates didn't deserve that because it's not them fucking scratching me. But two, I knew that like in the, it's like if I'm scratched my junior year, I'm thinking, Oh, fuck this guy. Like, fuck that guy, fuck this guy, fuck who, fuck everyone, pretty much. Mm-hmm. My senior year, I'd get scratched and be like, all right, like, maybe it's because this team has faster forwards and he needs this guy in because he's a little quicker. He's got yeah. quicker feet. Like, shit like that. And at first, <clears throat> I I didn't get that. And I was bitter towards people that I thought were just out to get me or just, like, didn't like me. and. I mean, it's just crazy how different coaches work. And, I mean, like I said, people can say 
this guy fucked you. This guy did this. This guy did that. That guy shouldn't have done what he did. That's well, it's fucking. It's fucking hard. It's fucking hard being a coach too, man. Like they have a shit ton on their plate. Like they oh, yeah. like, handle all that kind of stuff. And like agents and even sometimes parents and like funders and like scouts. Like they got like a lot too that I have to like kind of you know figure out too, man. It's not like they're not going through shit too in their lives. They got a family as well too. And their their job is based on wins and losses. Oh, hundred percent. That's it's, what, it's, this it's, isn't it's, like, yeah. This isn't like a, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a, a session about coaches at all, by any means. And even, like, and, no, and even no, exactly. And even by even no means is that. And I think I, even like the college level, like I do think that like, like I think college coaches really do understand like, the, I think they're very flexible and understand like the social stuff that we go through in college. Because mm-hmm. like it, there is there is like a fucking shit ton of distractions on a college campus, and I do think that, that like coaches there's girls and fucking parties i think i think coaches do get that shit yeah no, absolutely yeah. go ahead danny no but i was real quick i was just gonna say we we yeah everything you're saying is spot on and like i said before this isn't like a bitching session about coaches and players and like co- oh of course yeah, no. not by by any means we're just trying to make that push being on on like the on a dark end just talking yeah. about how having a sports psychology, like just making that push towards yeah. make, bringing more awareness toward the, toward the mental side of the game and how there's a gray area and it's just Absolutely. black and white. And I feel like that gray area hasn't been talked about much. And I think that yeah. having every team, I think should have a sports psychologist. And I, think I, I, I think it's a bridge that it gap. Because, I think a lot of it, dude, is because of like the narrative that's created and it's that it's that the mental health is weak and that it's not a situation that has to be addressed. And that's just absolutely not true. I, I, I think the best coaches in the game today in any kind of sport are the ones that are realizing, you know, how essential it is for peak performance. And you look at the schools like Providence with Lehman, like Union with Bennett, like the schools that are performing are the ones that really are investing in dog quality. Yeah. <laughs> it's no. the reason why they're doing it though. No, but no, that's what I was trying like, that was, I was trying to make a point that I, originally thought that it was all negative shit like he didn't like me or he was being a a dickhead but that's what I was trying to like reiterate is that Doc Wally does so much and is so beneficial to players that makes me realize how good of a coach Nate Lehman is and when I was playing for him and the shit he does and yeah the shit he does is to get the best out of you and to be the most successful as a team, as a whole, not just about me. And I think that was kind of part of it was I wasn't thinking about the team aspect and I was like, Oh fuck. Like this guy hates me. And doc Wally helped me realize that that wasn't the case. And he, he could dislike me. I don't know. And it is what it is, but I don't regret one second of my four years because from freshman year to senior year, I grew as an individual, as a teammate, as whatever it may be. And I mean, I thank Doc Wally so much for that. I, I thank Nate for that because he made me a better player mentally and physically. And I think so many coaches do. Right. I think so many coaches do like really admire like the underdog. I mean, I think that I think I don't really think coaches enjoy having to work with like the fucking prima donna first round type that hasn't earned anything, and their agents and their and their agents blowing up their phone every single day. I don't think coaches like Rick Bennett would rather go to battle, and I think Nate would too with a bunch of guys who were not 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 sought after in junior, where they'll work their ass off and block every shot and be a great guy off the ice than some fucking asshole who's leaving after one year. And doesn't give a hell about the program, anyways. I think that like it's it's hard for a coach to like have to handle these agents nowadays because everything nowadays is so political, and it, that, that, that that that's that's tough for a coach to be in, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I hear you, like, but that's that's yeah. brutal. Yeah, dude. Fuck, we've been on here for a while. We have to come back on here for a part two. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we have to do a part two for sure, man. But. <laughs> Thanks again for coming on here, man. Yeah. And just opening up and telling your story, it's going to help out a lot of people. Um, no, I had, I had a pleasure talking with you guys. We definitely uh, do this again in the future. Without a doubt. Yeah. I'd love to. Dangles, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, I love you like a brother. And, um, you too, bud. 
it was uh, an absolute privilege having you on here. And um, I know Ruzi's up there looking down, laughing, saying, look at these fucking – look at these guys. But, uh, Absolutely. you know, it, it, uh, it was beneficial for me to, you know, finally open up and talk about how much – it affected me and you know, I can't thank you enough for opening up, but uh I mean as much as I can say, like I know he's proud of you and the person you've become and uh he's up there right now, just like I said, that goofy laugh. So um, oh, I appreciate you guys having me on. I'm looking forward to uh you know, getting this out there. I think it's a great message and a great thing you guys are both doing. So keep going. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate yeah, it. thanks, buddy. No problem. Yeah. Love you guys. Take care, bud. Yeah, see ya. Yeah. See ya.